just by way of opening, I don't know if any of you identify with this, but I find this time of year one of those points of the year where I kind of think about reclaiming some lost fitness. Do you ever do this? <laughs> kind of put on a sh- I put on this shirt this morning. It's like, oh, it's a little bit tight, you know. And um, uh, so I, I, you'll be very proud to know I went for a run this morning. I actually went for a run. So I, I'm, I'm on this uh, app called Strava. And uh, basically, you can connect with other, other athletes. I, I mean, I hesitate to call myself an athlete, but there are other athletes on there. And uh, you hold each other accountable, and, and it's been a very, very positive thing for me because I, I put walks and I put runs on there. And, uh, you know, my, my minister friends and stuff kind of encourage me. It's been an entirely encouraging experience, I have to say. Uh, but one of the things that Strava does is it gives you your, your timings and your stats and your figures. Uh, I once ran um, under a mile in under eight minutes, which is like, you know, the, the athletic among you will be scoffing. I know that. I know that. But for me, that was a major achievement. Uh, but today I got round in, in an average of 10 minutes, 24 seconds. So I'm fairly off where my fitness needs to be. Um, and I think some of my thinking uh, about that has kind of fed into my choice of graphic today because we have a person setting out on their fitness uh, through the park. And uh, as this week, I've been thinking about how do, how do we look ahead? How do we look ahead to 2024? What's in our minds for the year ahead? You know, how are we going to tackle things? Um, and I've, I, I did some kind of diving around into the Gospels and uh, I, I happened to be reading Luke 8 again. And uh, this story of the woman with the issue of bleeding just jumped out at me. And I felt a Holy Spirit prompting to speak on her today. And as it happens, the Lord's been very gracious because there's kind of seven really lovely things that come out of this passage, which relate to a stance or a mindset or a, or a set of attitudes that we can have as we go into the year ahead. And I want to share these with you. So, you know, I, I'm conscious that we're probably struggling with mince pie still and Christmas pudding and overeating and all that sort of stuff. But I want to kind of brush that aside a little bit and give you some encouragements uh, from this fabulous story. I mean, it's just one of the best stories in the Gospels, in my view. It's awesome uh, how this lady uh, approaches what happens. Um, if you would like to follow along uh, on the version app, then all you have to do is point your phone to that QR code up there on the right, and it will take you into into today's event. You will see the, uh, the Bible passage that Tula read for us, um, and then underneath that there'll be a number of points, and you can add your own comments in there, and then you can save that, and that's something you can go back to uh, and look at for future. Uh, so if you want to do that, please go right ahead. I'm just going to jump straight in, and I'm going to start with each of the points, and I'll recap, the, recap them as I go. Um, but I'm going to open with point number one, which is to be highly persistent. For 2024, I want to ask us all to be highly persistent. Uh, This lady had suffered for 12 years with the issue of bleeding, but she did not give up in trying to find a solution. She didn't. Uh, Verse 43 says, A woman suffering with bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any. It kind of sets the scene, doesn't it? And there's some significant portraits, about, uh, significant things about that opening portrait of this lady. Um, first of all, 12 years is a jolly long time, isn't it? 12 years is a really, really long time. It's the entire lifetime of some of the people in this room. Uh, you know, uh, so it's a long, long time. And it's a long time to be dealing with a sickness or a malady or a malfunction, isn't it? Um, Luke also makes the point that the daughter, Jairus' daughter who is healed, you know, sorry, who's raised to life at the end of the, the passage there, is also 12 years old. 
And I think there's some reasoning going on in his mind to record both of those parallel time periods. He's saying that some people have navigated really hard difficulties for the whole lifetimes of other people. And, and he, don't miss that. You know, some of, some of you in the room are navigating some very hard things and have done for the entire lifetime of some other people in this room. And that's really significant, and it's really big for your life. Secondly, she's a lady who was prepared to spend all she had on trying all the different solutions that she could think of with the doctors to solve her problem. And that not only reveals its severity, that she, she had this, but it also shows the lengths that she was prepared to go to to try and solve it. And then thirdly, it, spent, it says that she spent, she spent all that she had. Now, maybe I'm making too much of that word she, but I think she was very... She had great ownership over this problem. It wasn't like she was begging and borrowing and stealing and trying to get everybody else to sort of own her issue. She had some stuff, and she spent that money on it. She wasn't playing out a victim mindset, I don't think. She owned this. And so as I've been reflecting on this lady, I find myself admiring her for her persistence and her tenacity and her ownership. And she just kept on going and going and going with this for 12 years. And I know that we could say, well, she probably didn't have a choice, but she had a choice about how she faced it. She had a choice about what she, how she responded to her difficulties. We all have choices about how we face the things that land in our lives uh, in ways that we really had never asked for. And so I want to ask a big and a hard question about those long-term, less-than-ideal situations that all of us uh, are navigating at the moment. Are we going to let ourselves give up about them? Or are we committed to still being very, very persistent in keeping on, keeping on with them in 2024? Are we owning them rather than, rather than them owning or defining us? And I want to say to us all for 2024 that we are not to give up. We are not to give up on the big things that we are struggling with. We must not throw in the towel and sort of sign a defeat letter and walk away and go, well, this is too much for me. I'm going to ask you all, keep persisting with the things that you find hard. Keep battling, keep going. We're all facing hard things and things that are not as ideal as they should be. Let's take our cue from this very persistent and tenacious lady and throw our all into solving the big issues of our lives. Now, we mustn't forget, and this is where we'll go with this message, that we also have access to an amazing person called Jesus who is able to help us in all of our situations. And we're going to go there a bit later in the message. So we have to have that balance in mind. As I was thinking about this lady, um, her attitude and mindset and her resilience over a 12-year period uh, reminded me of the process by which pearls get formed. Uh, now, popular myth would have it that a pearl is formed when a little bit of grit or sand gets inside the shell of an oyster. You know, an oyster's got two halves to its shell, hasn't it? And um, people have said, oh, you know, grit, grit gets in there and then a, p- a pearl is formed around that. That's not actually quite right. What happens is, um, you know, oysters are able to wash out the inside of, their, of their, uh, their shells really effectively and keep that space clean. What's happened is that a parasite has burrowed through the shell and is trying to start to live inside the shell. And, and the oyster responds to that by putting a layer of, of effectively, it's, it's mother of pearl. It's a substance called nacre, actually, N-A-C-R-E, around this little parasite, which then encases it, and then it dies. And then the next day, the oyster doesn't take any chances, and it puts another layer around this 
invader. And then the next day, it puts another layer. And I mean, each layer in a pearl is tiny. We're talking microscopically thin. But it's over time, what happens is that these layers build up. And if you get a natural pearl where the layers have built up over several years, maybe four or five years, and the pearl is large, the pearl then has great value. It's, it's very, very valuable because it's comprised of all of these daily layers of the, of the oyster responding to the invader and saying, no, I, I, I don't want this and I'm going to put a layer of protection over this and I'm going to deal with this. Um, and and her, this lady's attitude reminds me of the process of the formation of a pearl. Um, I, I'm just really kind of struck by that. Um, very few things of deep value to us in life arrive with no persistence at all. Can I just say that? I don't think anything that we want to build out of life arrives with no effort by us. Um, you know, and I bet this lady wished with everything she had for this problem to go away, but that intense wishing and that constant swirling around that very stubborn problem caused something very beautiful to be built up over time, a bit like a pearl. And what I'm saying is that that lady's circumstances put her in a position where being highly intentional about Jesus became necessary because there were no other answers. Uh, she was building up something that put her in a great position to be highly focused when he arrived in town. And I just want to, this isn't my main point under point number one, but I just want to say that there's a deeper truth behind this. Sometimes our setbacks and our trials are those, are those things which forge our fierce intensity about seeking Jesus. You know, sometimes we're sitting there in a tough time being a bit, feeling a bit sorry for ourselves, but missing the fact that our intensity about Jesus gets forged in those times. Don't, don't be wishing those hard times away because actually sometimes layer upon layer upon layer of very strong focus on Jesus is being put down into something very beautiful in your life. Don't be wishing away the difficult season too fast because the value it leaves behind once it's been and through is incredible. So number one, let's be highly persistent over 2024 like this lady in whatever it is that we are focused on and trying to deal with. Number two, cultivate positive self-talk. Cultivate positive self-talk. Now, this story gets reproduced in all three of the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's gospel is organized in a slightly different way, and it's written a little bit later, and he does things in a slightly different order. So he's kind of seen as a little bit more standalone. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke record this story, and in Matthew and Mark, um, there's some dialogue that gets mentioned. Now, I don't know why Luke doesn't include it, but Matthew and Mark uh, add some information about what the lady says to herself um, as she's thinking about approaching Jesus in the crowd. Mark 5.28 says this, um, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Uh, and then Matthew 9.21 says something very, very similar, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be made well. So she's kind of lining herself up to say this thing, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of get herself in the right mind space. And uh, she talks to herself, have you ever done this? Have you ever given yourself a little pep talk? Come on, be honest. You know, I think we've all done it, haven't we? We've given ourselves a little pep talk. You know, we've said, now, I just need to get this thing done. You know, or like this morning, I just need to go for that first run and try and get back into my fitness. You know, and then there's a shower and a cup of tea at the other end of that run. Or, you know, I really, really must do the washing up. Uh, or sometimes our self-talk is not so great. You know, we can say to ourselves, oh man, that was a disaster, you know, in, under our breath about the thing that we've just tried to do. Um, Sometimes our pep talks need a little bit of tightening up. 
and brushing up on their intentionality. And I would want to ask us all to watch what we say over ourselves in 2024 and watch what we say over other people. Um, I've got a delightful little story to share with you of uh, the time, I think it was, oh, might, might have been the beginning of 2023, maybe it was Christmas time last year, possibly, when we had Nelson Primary School in, and there were two lots of classes who came in at once, and they did a kind of tour around the building to hear all about Christmas, all about baptisms. I can't remember the specifics of when it was, but it was a large number of them, and they came up in here. Ellie did a great job of talking to them about faith and what it means to be a Christian, and then at the end of their visit, they all gathered downstairs in the cafe, and there must have been 50-plus kids in there. Uh, and their lead teacher was very pleased with how they'd behaved. Um, and she said, now then, now then, children, I want you to, and I don't think she used the word commend, because that's a long word. Um, but I think she said something like, I want you to um, say that you've done well to yourselves. She used a different phrase, and I'd love to know what the phrase was that she used. But as soon as the children heard this, they found another child and patted the child on the shoulder and said, well done you. And then they patted themselves on the shoulder and said, well done me. And I was like, wow, that's great. You know, what a great way to inspire some positive reinforcement. And so, you know, well done you, well done me. And I love the fact that they included themselves in their positive self-talk. It's very, very affirming. Um, So I just want you to imagine, uh, you know, that this lady was positive in her mindset about what she was saying. She wasn't negative and didn't allow herself to go to a bad place. Imagine the things the lady could have said. I'll never be able to reach him in this crowd. He might not heal me. What if I miss him and he goes past? What if I get told off for trying this? And I think a big one for lots of us Um, he's too busy with that big leader's request. (laughs) Imagine those things that she could have said, but she didn't say that. She said, if I can just touch his robe, I might be able to get some healing. Very different. And actually her statement was foundationally positive and optimistic. It was in fact a declaration of faith, wasn't it? And I, I, I don't know whether this is how we could prove this scientifically, but I I estimate that around about two-thirds of our self-talk isn't always positive. Just as a rough rule of thumb, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you guys are super positive all the time, but I know that in my quiet moments, I can catch myself saying some dreadful things over myself. This lady did not do that. You know, we must stop this practice of unconsciously or otherwise lobbing word grenades into situations that haven't even happened yet. And then they get dismantled somehow and we wonder why well it's because we didn't really speak over them that well Um, imagine I I got to thinking about this and how God might deal with this imagine if God was a little hesitant or self-sabotaging in his dialogue at creation just just go with me on this a minute like oh yeah yeah well yeah we'll do light not sure if it's going to work but you know (laughs) Could, could you just even imagine that it's unthinkable isn't it God doesn't do this to himself (laughs) why would we So number one, let's be highly persistent over 2024. Number two, cultivate positive self-talk for the year ahead. Number three, intentionally seek Jesus out. Uh, We often talk about the touch or the focus that Jesus has over us and over the people he meets uh, in the stories we hear about him, and that's absolutely right and proper. But I'd like to turn that around a little bit and ask, 
Have you noticed how much the touch of this lady with the issue of bleeding towards Jesus was very different from the touch of those in the crowd around Jesus? It's a very different kind of touch, isn't it? Now, you can imagine this whole crowd jostling along together, perhaps through some narrow streets to accompany Jesus as he's going after, you know, he's going, he's following after Jairus to Jairus's house, isn't he? It says in verse 42 that the crowds were nearly crushing him. And Peter says to him immediately after this incident of the healing happens in verse 45, he says, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Now that tells me that there are clearly two kinds of touch towards Jesus going on here in this story. One is a casual kind of touch, which is represented by the crowd. And this is the kind of touch that's kind of happy to bump along with Jesus wherever wherever he's going and willing to see what he might be able to do for someone else. And you know what? That's no bad thing. And many of us find ourselves in that kind of pattern with Jesus as a bit of a routine. It's not a wrong thing. Um, But the other kind of touch is highly intentional. And it's represented by this lady. It's highly focused on accessing Jesus uh, for ourselves or this lady for herself. And, and it's designed and it's, 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 got, it's got design and purpose behind it to meet a deep need. She's got a very deep need and she knows that she, she wants to go after Jesus and get that need met. And I want to say to us, it's not a selfish thing at all to be highly focused and intentional on asking Jesus to meet a need or on meeting with Jesus for ourselves. Um, because actually, when we do really meet with Jesus for ourselves, everyone around us is all blessed. Have you noticed that? You know, if something happens great for one person, all of us are just like, whoa, that's fantastic. How amazing is that? You know, let's not forget the fact that we are discussing this story 2,000 years later because three gospel writers thought, oh, this is a great testimony. Uh, so the impact of what God can do for the one has wide ripple effects on the faith of all. So the lesson here is that the casual bumping along with Jesus is all well and good, but we must not expect to draw down too much from him in that mode. We we probably won't. Now, loads gets drawn down from Jesus, healing power, in fact, by much higher intentionality and expectation. And what that tells me is if we come to church, for instance, highly expectant, really wanting to meet with Jesus with a kind of deep intensity about it, I think we're more likely to draw down what Jesus has for us than if we're casually bumping along. Now, there's nothing wrong with casually bumping along. I, I'm, not, I'm not one of these people that has to live at revival mode 24-7. I think that's unsustainable. Um, but I think there are, for 2024, I want to encourage you to take some time to have the kind of touch intentionality that this lady had. Take some, make some space and some time to come to meetings, come to events, come to prayer you know, on a Tuesday and be massively intentional about, I want you to touch my life, Jesus. And I'm not going away until you've done it. I'm not going to just, I'm not going to just sort of hang around and be with the crowd. I want you for me. That's really, really important. And I love the fact that this lady shows us how to do that. You know, Jesus' power is genuinely available to those who genuinely seek it. You know, and, and he, he's fine with us kind of running along with him, but he's also uh, got a lot more uh, than that available. And this lady shows us that. It's quite interesting to me, the crowd at the beginning of this story, the very first verse that Tula read for us there, uh, let me just pick that out. When Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Yeah, we're all expecting Jesus. But this lady is on another level. She's not just expecting Jesus. She wants her, his touch into her life. She wants that healing power. It, you know, she is seeing Jesus as, as her only hope. 
And, and that makes the intentionality incredibly difficult. What kind of faith do you want for 2024? Do you want the, hey, I want you to really, really touch my life, Jesus? Or do you want to bump along? And the choice is ours. So number one, be highly persistent. Number two, cultivate positive self-talk. Number three, intentionally seek Jesus out. Number four, there's plenty of Jesus to go around. There's plenty of Jesus to go around. Have you noticed that this willing was highly able uh, to interrupt Jesus in the middle of ministry? She just did. She just went ahead and interrupted what he was doing. Um, And she interrupts him. Uh, as he's about to respond to actually what is really a very courageous and vulnerable request made by Jairus, who is a person of great standing. <laughs> she gets right in there anyway and asks for her need, or she, she wants her need to be met. Now, I've tried to work this out, whether she was present at Jairus's original request, or whether she accessed the crowd as they were all going along with Jairus and Jesus towards Jairus's house. I can't quite work out w- uh, which is correct, but... Uh, she's nevertheless, whether she heard Jairus or not, she's got the courage to interrupt a crowd going off to a destination somewhere and ask for some help. You know, this healing feels like a miracle in brackets, doesn't it? It feels like, oh, this miracle starts and goes in one direction, and then it's got a brackets around it, my healing, and then the brackets close, and then it's got Jesus finishes off what he was doing for Jairus' daughter. That's what it's, it feels like, doesn't it? Um, uh, and actually, what Jairus requests is a really big deal. What ends up happening is a resurrection. You know, this little girl gets raised from the dead. Uh, and so there's many ways in which this woman might have seen her situation as lesser, even though she's been battling it for 12 years, because this other situation has a wow factor. It's got the leader of the synagogue. It's got the potential for the raising from, from, from the dead, even though Jesus wraps this up quite a lot as he gets to the house and he only limits people who, you know, who are very close to him into the room and so on. He tells them not to talk about it. It's still got big impact. You know, in her mind, she could have gone, well, I'm really ill, but this girl's about to die. Uh, so there's comparisons going on there. But I think what Matthew, Mark, and Luke are doing is saying, hey, listen, Jesus is able to deal with both. Jesus can deal with both needs. He can deal with needs even if they're tiny and needs if they're major. He is fully capable in both. Ohi Akibi, are you in the house today? Are you around us today? Or you might be coming tonight. Just raise your hand a minute if you're here. Okay, no, okay. Ohi did a great message uh, early last year about a healing, another healing, a different part of the Gospels, uh, in which Jesus uh, responds to the, the request for healing with the words, I am willing. I am willing, and I've, I've had that turning over and over in my spirit ever since that message. Jesus is willing, and he's willing with the small, and he's willing with the large. He's willing with the tiny, and he's willing with the hugely and massively life-changing. Um, while Jesus is still speaking to her, they come and tell Jairus, well, don't bother. These miracles are overlapping. His ministry is so back-to-back that one is hardly finished before he starts the next. But what that tells me, the fact that this happens, is that there's actually enough Jesus to go around. There's enough Jesus for everybody. And what that means is that next time you're hanging back for coming out for prayer uh, at the front on a Sunday, or you've perhaps gone to that conference and you're thinking the crowds are too big, I want you to remember this lady, and I want you to press forward, and I want you to get some ministry. Because your, your life matters to Jesus. Just think of this. The only reason Jesus is being is busy or being, you know, kind of seemingly unavailable is because other people have interrupted him. So why don't you interrupt him too? 
and get in there and ask for his help. Number one, be highly persistent. Number two, cultivate positive self-talk. Number three, intentionally seek Jesus out. Number four, there's plenty of Jesus to go around. Number five, some things can only get fixed by Jesus. And so we need to pray. We really, really need to pray, don't we? Uh, you know, Luke 8 is a massive chapter in Jesus' ministry. It really is. Um, if I were Jesus having to do my CV, and Jesus never has to do a CV, but if I was to go through the Bible and look at the Gospels and reflect back on my track record and kind of post my profile on LinkedIn, I might choose Luke 8 as my sample chapter to put on my LinkedIn profile if I were Jesus. The reason for that is he does some amazing teaching on the parable of the sower. It's awesome. It's a very deep teaching. It's very helpful. It guides us through the potential obstructions there might be to fruitful faith. Um, He uh, declares that our foremost allegiance needs to be to to God and not to people and not to family and so on. He calms a storm. He drives out a legion of demons. He heals a woman, this woman with the issue of blood. He He raises Jairus' daughter back from the dead. Luke 8 is basically saying that Jesus is Lord of every single possible situation, great or small, short or lengthy, obscure or glaring, private or public. Jesus is Lord, is what Luke 8 is saying. And and I want to say, and I just want to remind us that there are certain things that only Jesus can fix. And, And I want us to have that front and center of our mindset as we go into 2024 Invite Jesus into all your situations, especially those really hard ones, and pray about them. Ask for his help. Interrupt him like the lady did in the crowd and get his attention on your situation because there are certain things only he can fix because he is the Lord. I'm a great believer in the medical profession and so was the Lord too, apparently, because he gives Dr. Luke the largest word count in the New Testament uh, with Luke and Acts. But sometimes... We have to pray. Sometimes, it, well, I, can I say a sensible thing is doctors and prayer? Can I just put that out there? Definitely go and see your GP and definitely pray. Uh, you know, don't just do one or just do the other. Be wise about that. And I'm sure lots of the doctors in the house will agree with me on that. You know, we, there, there are some things we definitely can't fix. And we can't go to the doctor for. We can't wind back death. By ourselves, I would not, by myself, I would not want to face a legion of demons. I wouldn't want to do that. But Jesus can face these things, and we can go to him and ask him for help. The art of wise Christian living is to hold two things in tension all the time. Be as persistent as this lady was in seeking out solutions on the one hand, and as expectant as she was in reaching out to Jesus on the other. If you have that tension, you're going to have a very healthy uh, discipleship and a healthy spirituality. Number one, be highly persistent. Number two, cultivate positive self-talk. Number three, intentionally seek Jesus out. Number four, there's plenty of Jesus to go around. Number five, some things can only be fixed by Jesus. Getting into the last two now. Number six, allow Jesus to draw you into community. Allow Jesus to draw you into community. Now, what I mean by that is that in that time and culture, if you were a woman, if you were a woman who had an issue of bleeding, it would have made you ritually unclean. You would have been considered unclean for seven days following your menstrual cycle anyway. And a woman who'd given birth would, would need to wait for up to a total of 80 days, depending on gender, after giving birth. And so that was kind of understood. But this woman had an ongoing loss of blood all the time, and that would have made her unclean all the time. 
And so other members of that society would have kept right away from her because of that. And not only does she have the difficulty itself and the pain and the the loss of energy and and the tiredness that would have come with that, she has all the social drawbacks that go with that as well, especially shame and isolation. You know, it's no surprise to me at all that she talked to herself in the lead into this miracle because I'm not sure she had many people to talk to. And she is here, as she is healed, however, by the power of Jesus, and as he realizes that power is flowing out of him and into this woman's medical condition to fix it, he then turns around to find out who it is that's just done that. And that's really, really significant. In insisting on finding out who it is or who she is, he brings her value, great value, in two significant ways, two more ways. First, he no longer permits anonymity and isolation. If you can imagine for 12 years struggling with something that your culture considered unclean and, and, and kept you, they kept away from you because of that, you would have built a habit of, I need to be on my own. And she, you know, he, he kind of, he, he insists that she can't be anonymous. And I want to say to all of us, don't long for anonymity. And if you are longing for anonymity, that's a clear sign that normal healthy relationships somehow are broken in some, in some particular area. And we should look at that. There could be a wide range of reasons for that. But if there's a constant hankering to go off to a desert island, a constant hankering not to come to church, a constant, oh, I just don't want to mix with anyone, there's something not right there because we're designed to be in community. And what Jesus does with this lady is he kind of sets her back to be in community again by not allowing her to be anonymous. You know, he, she could have touched her, his robe, got her healing and kind of run off. He doesn't allow that because he can see there's some social healing as well as physical healing that's really needed for her. She needs to be brought back into the fold of the community, doesn't she? Uh, does, uh, you know, he sees that and, and she needs it. Sorry. Um, secondly, he restores to her a sense of godly family. So it's not just about you can't be anonymous. Actually, you're, you're kind of connected to me and we're, we're connected. He says he, he calls her daughter. He doesn't call her unclean. He doesn't call her outcast. He doesn't say stay away. He doesn't label her unwholesome. Um, he, he doesn't call her sick anymore, or, or he doesn't speak shame over her. He says, daughter. He puts her back into a family system where she can be a daughter and she can belong once more. She's restored to being a daughter by Jesus just as much as Jairus' daughter was, was restored to being a daughter by Jesus' resurrection of Jairus' daughter. They just get restored to daughterhood by different avenues. That's why these two miracles are side by side, I'm sure. Now, all of us, without exception, have things in our lives that make us feel a little bit ashamed. You know, maybe you had a former life that was riddled by some pretty awful sin. Maybe you've got something with your body that you find really hard to tell the doctor about. Uh, Maybe we're connected with a person that's really fallen from grace and it's really trashed us. Maybe we've been conned out of a load of money. Maybe we've gone bankrupt. Maybe we have a relative in prison. You name it, there's a million and one things that that absolute scumbag and wretch, the devil, would like to put on a billboard on our street next to our house. But Jesus says, Jesus says, be well. You belong in this community. You are a son and a daughter in my house. That is awesome. That is the difference between the Jesus and the enemy right there. 
Number one, be highly persistent. Number two, cultivate positive self-talk. Number three, intentionally seek Jesus out so that you get his touch in a really powerful and intentional way at some points during 2024. Number four, there's loads of Jesus to go around. Number five, some things can only be fixed by Jesus and you need to get praying. Number six, allow Jesus to draw you into community. And number seven, and this is the last point for this morning, let Jesus be the one who defines finality. Let Jesus be the one who defines finality. Don't you and me be defining finality over things. Let Jesus be the one to do that. Uh, I, I, you know, this story, both of these stories, you know, the woman of the issue of bleeding and the, and the, the, the raising of Jairus' daughter are very interesting studies in finality. You know, what we think is final and what Jesus thinks are final are two very, very different things. Can I just say that? Finality means the quality of being over and done, finished, end, kaput, over, dead, unchangeable. Now, this woman's problem went on and on and on and on. And she must have thought it could never end because all the doctors hadn't helped her, had they? Humanly speaking, there was, for her, no last word on this matter until... Jesus showed up in town. Jesus was the one who defined the ending of her particular situation. Now, kind of the same and the opposite is true for Jairus and his daughter. They saw an ending definitely coming, and there was nothing they could do to stop that ending, or so they thought. But then Jesus showed up, and the ending didn't quite have that inevitability that they first thought it would have. For the older woman, she thought her problem could never end. For the young girl, they thought there was no chance of it not ending. And they even came to tell Jairus to call off his chase of Jesus. And they even laughed at Jesus as he approached the house. Such was their view of finality. Jesus redefined finality for each female completely that day. Can I put it to us? Against the run of reality up to that point, Jesus ended the bleeding uh, for the lady with the bleeding. Against the run of reality up to that point, Jesus the en ended the dying of the girl who was dying. So let's add another line onto Jesus' amazing CV in link, on LinkedIn from Luke 8. I am the author of finality. Trust me with your finality and I will blow your mind with what is possible. Shall we all stand? And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. I'm going to read those seven things for 2024 from Luke 8 over us. And I want to ask you that if one or some of those things were things you want to grab hold of, why don't you walk down to the front and we're going to worship in that kind of space at the front. Uh, now, here's an irony. You're probably going to bump along with some other people at the front because it gets crowded. Okay, But this is one of those times where actually you're being very intentional about a touch from Jesus. So you're kind of combining the two here. Okay, So if there's anything from any of these statements that you kind of think, yeah, just this is one, something I really want to lay claim to for 2024, then while we're worshiping, don't be shy. Come down the front. Hold your arms out like Kevin was saying to us during that time of the Holy Spirit. It was so great, Kevin. Thank you. And the Lord will give to you what it is you're seeking. Number one, be highly persistent over the hard things that you're navigating in your life. Number two, cultivate positive self-talk. Number three, intentionally seek to be fixed by Jesus. So be praying. Number six, allow Jesus to draw you into community. And number seven, let Jesus be the one who defines finality, not you and not me. Amen? Amen. Let's worship. Thanks, Kevin. Forever.
our voice in praise, the enemy will bow forever and ever. Our God, you are good forever and ever. Our God, you are good forever and ever. Our God, you are good forever and ever. Our God, you are good. BCC, let's pray together just as we finish our service today. Lord, I, I just pray that you would meet the desires of our hearts with good things. As it says in Psalm 103, verse 5, would you do that for us in 2024? Whatever those things are that are in our minds and hearts that we would have that are in your mind and heart too, Lord, I pray that you would bestow them upon us in 2024 in great, in great abundance and great measure. Uh, we look to you for good things, Lord God, in this year ahead. Uh, and we have high expectation of your touch, Lord Jesus. And we ask that you would fill us up, Holy Spirit. We pray all these things together in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. Amen.